Hey, you're listening to Sit Down For Real, a new podcast for anyone interested in movies, especially the making of movies. I'm Mason Coyle, and each week I will be joined by various guests, including directors, actors, writers, people who will share their hands-on experience of the filmmaking process and discuss either the topic of the week or a movie review. If that sounds like something you're into, perfect. If not, stick with us anyway. We're not famous yet, but that doesn't mean we aren't entertaining. Sit Down For Real is made by a group of creatives, collaborating across numerous projects in the hopes of turning our passions into careers. We hope this podcast will be a platform where we can cultivate our skills and share what we learn with you, our audience. If you ever have a comment, question, suggestion, or a nice review, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook at Sit Down For Real. That's real, R-E-E-L, like a film reel. It's a pun. You understand. Anyway, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Now on with the show. Hello all and welcome to Sit Down For Real where we talk movies from script to screen, high budget to no budget, whether it's the film of the year or your first film ever, we're here to discuss the filmmaking process and the movies we love and sometimes hate. I'm your host, Mason Coyle. With me today is Dylan. What's up? Hey. Uh, So today we're talking about uh, the power of sound in film, which is a very broad um, topic. I'm sure we're going to be going into more detail, more specific, focused episodes later on. But for right now, it's basically everything. We're just going <laughs> to talk about what we want to talk about. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Dylan, as our audio master, yeah, you definitely have more experience, I think, or probably more attention to detail. Because I did a little bit of research, you know, um, before this podcast just to kind of get my bearings and it's it's really fascinating some areas for me in particular like I can't wait to talk about Foley artists and what they do if you don't know what they do we're going to get into it I love Foley <laughs> artists it's incredible like just how they can look at things and determine sounds from them <laughs> all right but uh so let's just start off I think with a big one um but it's a little bit separate um from the movie as a whole I feel like music because music, um, if we do a separate thing on that, that's getting into a whole other ball game, right? Because filmmaking is filmmaking. There's so many avenues. And yeah. when you talk about music, it's a whole other art form that's, you know, when we incorporate that into ours, it's really like just uh, tag teaming or, you know, coming together. Yeah. Um, um, so with music, I'd definitely say, like, for the sake of this discussion, let's leave scores out of it. Let's leave <laughs> composition out of it. Let's talk about like music and how it affects a film. Um, right. Um, so for me, I I watched a few videos that kind of you know demonstrated the power of music, um, and I think the best example I came across was basically, and everybody knows this. There's a dozen different films that you can probably point out where there's a moment of the main character kind of like looking off into the distance, right? And just, they're usually pretty blank-faced. It's just them standing there. But you can do that shot a dozen different ways because you can uh, fill it with music that incorporates a dozen different emotions. You can make that person standing there um, seem creepy and just villainous and like he's up to something. He's no good. Or you can have it like a triumphant, uplifting, he's going to do something great. We love this guy. He's feeling something right now. Even though he's got a blank face, he's feeling something right now, and I, I know it. Yeah. It's not it's not the actor getting that emotion out of you. It's the music. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, like, basically, if you just look at the Marvel Universe, 
um, you can come across most any of these examples, um, whether it be Captain America standing in the distance and like just oh my God. <laughs> everything is coming in and like at, at the end of Endgame where he's standing there and the portals start opening and he like looks around and goes, Avengers, assemble. And like that line I in got, and of itself is pretty emotionless. I, I got goosebumps right now just but, because I know the soundtrack that comes from like, it and I love that scene so much. <laughs> yeah, and that soundtrack and then to be at Endgame again. At the very, very end, spoiler alert, <laughs> the very end, um, they're all at Tony's funeral. And, like, if you take out the music, you're just watching a camera pan to, like, 20 groups of people. Mm -hmm. But you add the music and everything becomes somber. And everything, has like, pulls your heartstrings out, like, oh, I feel for this character. Mm -hmm. I feel for their loss. I have been losing with them. Um, and then you've got moments of just sheer badassery of Tony like standing on a mountain like promoting his product and all of a sudden like he's just standing there and you've got this big m swelling movement right before like the mountains blow up or whatever like there are plenty of different scenes where you can look at the Marvel Universe and see like that come into play <laughs> yeah I mean if you want to Bringing up uh, the Marvel movies, I think there's like a very powerful connection. Like if you say just Guardians of the Galaxy, the soundtrack and everything just like they're tied together in some weird way where mm -hmm. um, they're one in the same almost. Just like these series of songs and these characters and how they feel and how they act and, and all of this. Um, and that's just a really interesting th thing that you can play around with two different art forms and tie them together and, and do this sort of thing. Yeah, and I definitely, like, one of my favorite things with music in films um, is there's, like, two different types of music in the film. There's, like, the score, there's, and there's even, like, music that they bring in, af like, that's just produced music that they put in to get you excited about the film and, like, oh, yeah, like, this music's in there. Um, and it's music that you hear as the audience, but there's sometimes where, like, a character is listening to music. And one mm -hmm. of my favorite, um, two favorite, is um, in the Spider Verse where Miles is listening to music, <laughs> and like you'll be like listening to a song, like oh yeah, like they just have headphones on him, and like we're listening to a song just because it sounds cool, and then he runs out and almost gets hit by a taxi, and his headphones fall off, mm -hmm. and the music stops, and you're like oh wait, I was listening to what he was listening to. Um, that's just like it's a really cool effect whenever you start combining some of that and then another one of my favorite mentions of music in film is Baby Driver um, if you haven't seen Baby Driver it's an excellent film you should definitely watch it but this character like the main character Baby he is like a getaway driver for this um, band of criminals and he is always listening to music um, it's kind of how he deals with some of his past trauma. Um, he's got tinnitus in his ear, so it's how he rings out, gets that ring out of his head. Um, but what he does is he'll put in headphones while he's driving, so that way like he can feel like the vibe of the song. And one of the things that they do with it is, like in the car, they'll have the windshield wipers hit on tempo, <laughs> and like he will like if like he's getting ready to do like a spin like the music will spin with like what the car is doing um it's really cool how they put it in there and like he'll be walking down the street and like they put like lyrics and graffiti on the wall 
And, like, there's one point in time where, like, a trumpet starts blowing, and, like, he leans back and hits a trumpet, and there's a trumpet graffiti behind the wall. Like, yeah, it's a little fictitious, and <laughs> but at the same time, like, it's really neat to see how they applied that in the music and how they put that in the film. Yeah, I can, uh, I've heard good things about Baby Driver, and uh, I definitely want to see it and talk about it um, for a future episode. Um, but going along with that sense of car chases and music, because this isn't just, I mean, I think Baby Driver is probably an example of them doing it the best way you can possibly do it, but people might not always notice, you don't have to have like a certain soundtrack or even, you know, like the film score, like Indiana's, uh, Indiana Jones theme song as he's like chasing or riding a horse down somewhere. You don't necessarily need it to be that obvious, but the sound gives movement. Sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, you know, very subtle tones and, and you know, melodies, but fast ones mm-hmm. to, to convey the fact that we're moving and it's going fast. Because if you strip that out, you can have a car chase, you know, person shifts their gear, they put their foot on the floor, but we're not really getting that sense of motion. It doesn't yeah. seem as exciting as it does. as Once you get that, like, tone ringing and that tempo ringing in somebody's ears of it's moving, then you just feel it. Yeah, and another great example for tempo would be, like, Jaws. Yeah. Um, like, you've got the ba-dum. And like you get the sense of as that tempo builds, it's getting closer. I've got to go. Like there's no escape. Um, And like it's something that I think everybody always gives credit to music, but I don't think we always give it enough credit for giving us the emotions that we feel. Um, Because without music, there's so much that your favorite films just lose. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Let's see. I mean, now I'm just thinking about all the great soundtracks, which, again, we're going to definitely have to do an episode on that because I'm just thinking about Indiana Jones now. I love that theme. (laughs) Yeah, and, like, the Star Wars soundtracks and things like that and how they build your emotions. Yeah. Um, But is there anything else uh, in general about music that you might want to talk about? In general about music? Um, Not necessarily, um, because if I go any further, I will probably just not stop. (laughs) Right. Um, But there, it's one of those things. Like it's definitely fun to see music interact with the film, see a score interact with the film. Um, And one of my favorite ways um, is, um, and I'm probably going to touch on this later whenever we talk about like um, sound effects. I was going to say maybe we move into sound effects next. Is there a difference between sound effects and sound design? Yes. a big difference so sound effects is something that you can either record yourself sample or um, go out and get from the internet and cite it of course uh, you can't just take stuff and not cite it we always cite our stuff um, <laughs> but you can pull stuff and that's your sound effect and like you put it into the spot where it goes mm-hmm. so you've got like a doorbell so you either get a doorbell sound offline or you sample a doorbell by just ringing a doorbell and copying that sound and recording it. Um, And you put it into your film. That's your sound effect. Sound design is more about how you create that sound. Um, So if we're going to talk about sound effects, I'll go into that first. Okay, let's let's start (laughs) start with sound effects. 
So one of my favorite uses of sound effects, and even to tag back onto music, is in the movie Invisible Man. Um, came out in February, I believe. It came out before the coronavirus. I watched it in theaters. Excellent movie. Um, it does deal with a lot of domestic abuse and domestic violence, so trigger warning on that, but excellent. I strongly recommend it. Um, but it goes out, and in the score, it has like these siren wails. Um, which I would consider that a sound effect. But how they used it in the score, it applied to music. Hmm. And so like they kind of took both of these concepts of getting a sound and inserting it in and making it its own thing as the sound effect and then applied it to the score so that way the score built and then the siren overwhelmed it. And then the score came in and overwhelmed it again and they introduced the siren again. It really had this excellent feel to it. Um, but I like looking at Invisible Man for both sound design and sound effects because of spoilers. Um, the way... <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I just can't. It's, it's an excellent film, and the way they go out and add some of these sounds... Um, so, like, they go out and there's this man who is invisible. Um, he's been working on this project... He's very abusive to his wife or girlfriend. I think his wife. Um, but he goes out of his way. Um, she goes out of her way, gets out, um, and is living at her sister's. Like two, three weeks later, um, he commits suicide. And so she's now like, oh, like I feel relieved, but he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't commit suicide. Like There's no way he would do that and just give up. Um, and so she's a little bit paranoid about this and then things start happening and you kind of start thinking that she is overly paranoid and it's just going to be this psycho thriller um, where like it's all just in her head and then throughout the movie you start hearing like these little clicks and you start hearing these little clacks and you start mm -hmm. recognizing a few things um, and as this happens um, you recognize that there's a man wearing this suit that has a bunch of cameras and projectors on it so that way he seems invisible mm -hmm. and you can't see him but throughout the movie like he will come in and get close and as he gets closer to her you'll hear these clicks and these rattles as these cameras are interacting with the universe and so you hear this approach and then you hear it fade away and like the sound of that is excellent and those effects are excellent and adding that in is such a delicate touch mm. um, and so being able to look at that and then like there are different scenes where like there's like knife pulled out and like you hear the shing of like as if it's being pulled out of like a scabbard which it's not but without that sound effect there it loses the startlingness of mm -hmm. oh there's a knife yeah. um, and like just the different sounds of like even in different movies whenever like you think of like somebody's getting hit over and over and over like that's sound effects like you know yeah somebody hits somebody or hits a ham that's something that they do they hit like hams and meats and stuff so that way it sounds like they're hitting like a person mm -hmm. um and that's your sound effect and then you put it in and you have to line it up with the hits and you have to make it sound realistic and like that's where a lot of your sound design starts to come in is making it sound realistic right yeah, so Foley artists really are kind of in between then, right? Because they're both sampling the stuff, like, for for example, um, 
say we got a fire roaring and you have that on set where you can just get the sample of that sound but maybe it's not enough right it's just very Mm -hmm. mild and you can barely hear it so you can do a better job of that i think one of the examples of foley artists using just like uh, wrinkled chip bags or whatever you get that chip bag ruffled and it will give like the same sort of indentation of a crackling fire Mm -hmm. um and then if you blend those things together then that's becoming design because you're melding them into one sound yeah, so whenever you start thinking about sound effects, folly artist, and sound design, they're all three of the same things, mm. just different branches. Right. So it's hard to distinguish. <laughs> folly artist is the easiest to separate because sound effects is normally something that you already have a record of or you already have like a sound bite of. Like right. I've got a bunch of sound bites saved onto my computer of things that we've used in films or we might use in films that are just like common stuff that either I made or that I got off the internet and like save the citation for so I know where I got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that stuff is great and it's excellent and it's always there. Whereas folly artists are, they get the film and they have the dialogue and they have like, this is the sound we need. And they record that sound based on what they have in a studio or whatever else. Like it's not actually like out in the field. Right. So... Like, sound effects, you're normally talking about, like, I need a doorbell, so I'm going to go ring a doorbell. Folly artist is, I need to get a horse's tail to whip, and I really can't just go film a horse so that way it tail whips. So that way I I can go now into a studio and make that sound up. So I get that sound effect, so that way the sound designer can mix it in. I want to play a little game because I had fun with this and I think it's this is why I enjoy the idea of a Foley artist as like an actual career you get to play around with things to make noise and they're just so awkward sometimes well not awkward but they're unexpected where like why would you do it that way but then okay it kind of makes sense let's let's just get into this because I think you'll probably do pretty good don't cheat <laughs> don't cheat and look at my paper right I won't here. okay so I'll start off with an easy one um, so using coconuts Using coconuts, that's horses' hooves. Yeah. Butt it up, butt it up, butt it up, butt it up. <laughs> yeah, very good. You can also use it to make like a sharp knock on the door, like. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so how about watermelon? Watermelon. Oh, I think I've seen this one. Um, I don't know. Say, I've seen them use the watermelon as like a stand in for a human skull. So, if you're some, someone's getting their head bashed in, you got that hard outer layer and you got that goo- gooey center. That, that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, I know it. It's something violent, but I can't think of it. Say, here's another food for you celery. Celery? Um, you can actually use that for like if you're snapping a neck or snapping knuckles. Right. Things like that. Another good thing for that would be spaghetti. Yeah, that's true. I can see that. Uh, dried spaghetti, we should clarify. Yes. No, taking a lip noodle is not going to sound good. Uh, let's see. Uh, this one I thought was interesting. Cornstarch. Cornstarch. Um, I'm imagining something like slopping through the mud. I imagine if you got it wet, it would work. Uh, the, the one I saw is basically wrapping up cornstarch and then stepping on it for a snow sound effect. Instead of trying to hold on to snow, oh, just get some yeah. cornstarch, and you can step and press and you know maneuver on that, and it gives the same sort of sound that you get for stepping on snow, which is interesting. I um, think you could do the same thing with flour, too. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, gloves with paper clips uh, tied to the ends of the fingertips. 
So I'm going to say this and it might be entirely wrong, but I'm going to go with like rats. I could see that working. The, the okay. example I had was uh, uh, dog nails. Like dogs, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Going across the floor. Um, but yeah, I, I also have for, for mice feet patter, which is something that, you know, is this is a good example of why this kind of sound design or sound effects Foley artist is, is necessary because the sound, like the real life sound of a mouse moving from one spot to another is going to be so minimal, like it's not going to feel like anything. It's, it's not going to connect to the audience. It's just going to be bland yeah. movement. But if you have, in this example, they use just little sticks on... Little chopsticks on a chopsticks keyboard. On the, and then you just, you know, tapping away, you get that feeling of this is a tangible thing. You can hear it. You can feel it mm-hmm. because there's that friction. You know, so um, I just think that this is a really interesting category. Like, if I could just somehow come up with a career just making sounds, making I think that sounds, would be so would love fun. It. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my other, like, favorite is if you ever need, like, a waterfall sound mm-hmm. or rapids, fill your bathtub up with water. <laughs> you get a bucket. You pour a little bit out and then just start waving your arms in the water. Mm-hmm. It sounds like rapids. Yeah. It really, like, you just do a little bit of EQ mixing, make sure it sounds good, yeah. and it'll sound like rapids. I've seen people do that for waterfalls. and Yeah, I, I've seen a video of them doing a similar thing where it's interesting, again, it's just this sense of you just kind of assume something as an audience that what you're seeing is what you're hearing and that it you know, it fits because when you see a waterfall crashing down and you hear it, and, and most people I think have experienced a waterfall so they know what it sounds like, it, it just feels right and it makes sense. But then it's not always the case. Like exactly, you go behind you, the scenes. You go behind the scenes and you realize they had to do some stuff to make it sound that good. Yeah, like, like somebody if, went out and just waved their arms in a bathtub <laughs> and you have a waterfall now. Yeah, it's um, amazing. And, like, they do that for, like, if you're out on sea, too. Like, they'll lap water in a mm-hmm. pool. So that way, like, they get their sound bite, but it's not overwhelming on the set. So that way they don't have to actually go in the ocean and try to get lines over that. Um, and then, like, tumbleweed or wind brushing through the brush and going through stuff like that. You can take old VHS tapes, pull out the reel from it, and wave it around and it sounds like bushes in the wind yeah things like that like it's it's stuff like that that if you think about you're like oh yeah that makes sense but when you're watching the movie you're like oh that's incredible they just like captured the wind blowing through the bushes and it didn't affect their voice audio (laughs) Uh, that's not real (laughs) yeah (laughs) wind is one of my least favorite things (laughs) Yeah, I imagine it's such a, a challenge to have to deal with something that you can't really put a lid on or, you know, mm-hmm. you can't really do too much about that and then work the way that you work around it. And also the way that even in the examples of, like, Foley artists, if they have to get the wind to sound a certain way, like yeah. structuring how the wind moves through something so that you get the right sound is an interesting task. Yeah, like, so, like, you've got, like, soft breezes... Where, like, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to ruffle some of this, like, old VHS tape. And then you've got, like, strong winds for, like, a storm's coming in where they have to include a little bit more sometimes breathing through, like, a straw to get some of that, like, pushed air sound effect. And then if you're talking about, like, 
tornado winds. You have to start accounting for much stronger winds and how is that going to sound? And there's actually things that are going to start breaking in the background, so we have to add some of that. Yeah, um, It's a lot more complex than what you see on screen. And folly artists go out and make sound where you can't capture it. And I, I love that. Anything else you want to talk about for Foley artists before we move on to specifically sound design? Not necessarily. I wish I was a better Foley artist because <laughs> it's a, it really is I a wanted, fun thing. For, for our own personal films, I want to challenge ourselves to, to, to make some. And I have an idea for, for a short film, um, and I want to try something out. We're going to get to that someday. I greatly appreciate that because <laughs> I want to do it. I just don't have enough things to start doing it yet. Um, but... Like, there's, there's small things in Folly that you can do, um, and it's stuff that, like, it's the basic stuff of, like, if you need, like, a light switch, go flick a light switch. Yeah. If it doesn't sound good, go flick another one. <laughs> um, things like that. But, like, if you want, like, specific sounds, it's really easy, like, for release especially. Like, there are a couple scenes where um, Kyrie is, like, banging on a counter. I'm not using the pure audio from that. I'm going to go out and re-record it so that way it sounds nice. Mm. Um, and so it's stuff like that where like, am I going to bang on a counter? Probably not. I'm probably going to hit something like a chair that's, you know, a little bit easier to control the sound on or something that's, I'm like, oh yes, this will sound better. Um, and it's just, it's small things like that, that if you're doing audio work, definitely take some time to look into Folly because it's something that will improve your film, even if you think it won't. Yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on to sound design, it's a little bit more of a challenging and like technical uh, field, right? Because it's when you're going to be blending things together or making up new sounds altogether. Yes. Um, my favorite example, because it's going to be my favorite movie, is Jurassic Park, um, talking about designing a sound that doesn't exist anymore, like uh, d designing how a dinosaur roars, mm -hmm. how they sound. Um, and it's I couldn't find too many like specific details on how that work really got put together you know they say the T-Rex has a little bit of baby elephant there's a tiger there's a whale sound in there there's alligators um, if anybody everybody should be familiar with Jurassic Park there's the scene when the Gallimimus you know stampede comes through and the T-Rex grabs one and then that's a, a dog shaking a, a chew toy for that <laughs> <laughs> um but, you know, the way they did it so well, it, it just blows the mind, especially of the mind of a child, which I was when I saw it, you know, yeah. to be able to be like, that is how a dinosaur sounds. So that when scientists say, you know, maybe they sounded more like ducks, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of just like throw, throw it out, out the, the window. window. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I understand, scientific, uh, uh, let's hear the roar again. Dinosaur It's roars. such a great sound effect and it gives such personality and power and dynamic to this the, the characters of the dinosaurs yeah i definitely agreed like the jurassic park movies are an excellent spot to look at sound design because they're creating all sorts of sounds that don't exist and i think that's where sound design really comes in so folly artist is where you can create sounds for something that doesn't exist sound effects is where you can pull in sounds for things that do exist mm -hmm. And design is where you start to meld it together to make it what you want. So you were talking about like the T-Rex scream. It's 
not just one animal. It's like five animals that they combined into one. Um, and so you've got like an elephant. And I'm sure that they didn't just use the elephant audio as it was. I'm sure they cut it. They probably reversed it because it sounds a little more terrifying that way. And then you slow it down and distort it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so then you've got this really guttural, slow, distorted screech mm -hmm. that comes out from like this elephant sound. And so you pull the sound effect of an elephant and you make it sound how you want to. And then you add on the next layer of like a whale or whatever else. And you start <laughs> adding it and combining it together. And that's where your sound design really sits. Um, and another excellent example of this is in Star Wars. Whenever the Millennium Falcon's jump drive engines fail, they use, I think it's seven to ten different audio clips of things that they were like, yeah, this will sound good. One of them is an elephant that they reversed the sound. <laughs> um, another one was there was a sink that anytime you turned it off in their office, it screeched mm -hmm. for a solid minute. And they recorded that and sampled it and then brought it back and put it on the table. And there's one where like it's like a car bumper getting smashed. There's another one. Um, I can't quite remember them all. I watched that video a long time ago, <laughs> but like they've got these seven to 10 different sounds that they go, okay, I want this, I want this, I want this, I'm repeating this. And they combine it all together and it sounds like an engine is failing. Mm -hmm. And it was somebody's car that was one of the other main ones. Like somebody's car, whenever they went to start it, it just wouldn't turn over. Right. And so it went And so you can hear that individual sound. Like you listen to like the hyperdrive fail, you hear and you hear this from like the sink and they take it and put different sounds at different levels cut them out repeat them cycle them back through reverse some and that's how you end up with a millennium falcon engine which is something like a space engine mm -hmm. that's something that at the time didn't exist doesn't exist and the terms that they were like the star wars universe was using it yeah like it's not just a combustible engine it is now this ideal engine of light speed and Things like that. And I even look at, like, um, Godzilla for that, which falls into folly and sound design. Whenever they created that sound, they put on a glove, dipped their hand in bow resin for, like, a violin, and started at the top of the violin and dragged their hand down a violin. And so you've got these four strings screeching for the sound of Godzilla. Hmm. I never knew that one. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. And so, like, it's folly... It's folly artist work, and then they take it and put it into sound design, twist it how they want to, and I think they added another sound into it to give it a little bit more of an animal sound. Yeah. And you turn around, and all of a sudden you've got this beautiful Godzilla roar that everybody recognizes. Yeah. And, and that's uh, something I want to touch on, the fact that the work that these people do, you know, makes a huge difference into making something iconic a lot of times. Like that roar for Godzilla, the roar for T-Rex, or for the lightsabers in Star Wars, you know, mm -hmm. everyone can go... <laughs> <laughs> but but it's, a, it's a different thing to literally create that sound and put it to work in, mm -hmm. in a film. Um, Vader's breathing, too, you know, it's probably... A, more of a straightforward one, I imagine, with the respirator, I think, that they use. But still, the, the the idea that, you know, they didn't film with that sound effect. So, like, the intimidation or, you know, the power that comes from that, you know, it's, it's added, it's after, added the after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
sound design is definitely like one of those things that in a movie if you get it wrong in a live action movie if you get it wrong everybody will notice it and they will point it out and it can make a very good movie a very bad it is also something like I look at animation which is where like folly artists are big in animation yeah. because there is no camera work there right. is no live sound it is all recorded in booths and studios and you have to have folly artists create the sounds um, and it's just like excellent work and then you think in like some of your best childhood animated films you know that sound has to come from someone making it then whoever makes it passes it along to somebody who takes it and edits that sound for sound design and then you get to sound mixing which is the last stage of sound which is where you mix everything together in the film so you take the voices you take the score you take the sound effects you take all of this mm -hmm. and put it in and say i want this at this level this at this level i want this to fade in i want this to fade out and it all comes together and i it's one of those things that people will point it out if it's done wrong in a movie but when it's done right people just don't notice it because right. it's done right. Right. Because um, I think one of the most common factors in deciding whose film is like amateur level, I think usually does come down to the sound, whether it's, you know, whether there's a mixing at all, you know, whether it's just on, on set and, you know, you get those versions of low budget, you know, people making their first films. And I'm not saying this is a criticism. It's just something we all go through because they probably want to do the better sound. They just don't afford the can't afford yeah. the equipment yet. But once you know you move to that point of having the equipment rather than just kind of relying on the very basic uh, audio you can get from your camera, and the fact that some of the sound from a person speaking across the room is going to sound muffled and and weak and and just poor in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something that it takes a lot of time to be good at sound. I am not good at sound. I am okay at it. You're doing pretty good for us. <laughs> I appreciate that. It, but it's one of those things, like, it's something where if you're a screenwriter and you write bad screenplays, that's expected. And you'll get better at it as you go. If you're a cinematographer and, like, you try something new, you can always still go back and retry and get something that's a little more bland instead of this big new idea that you have for, like... I remember one of our recent shoots, Kevin was trying to run the camera down like a 30-foot ladder, yeah. and it's something that we wanted to try this big, long one-take, and it wasn't working out, but we tried it, and you can go back and redo it, and it still all makes sense, and it still all work. But then we've got sound, where if you mess up the sound, like there really isn't any point where you can just be like, yeah, I fixed it. Like if you mix up the sound and mess it up and then submit it and it put you put it on your video and somebody says hey that was wrong you know it it really stands out because people expect sound to sound how it is yeah. but like even we're actually you know what i think it's interesting people don't expect it to sound the way it is because as we've talked about there are examples where we in film we expect more sound because we want to be more yeah um, in touch with what we're seeing so the sounds are often exaggerated yeah that too and like even like for something as simple as us recording a podcast there are two of us in a room talking into a microphone you know if i just like took that information straight from the microphone and put it into the computer and sent it out 
it wouldn't sound good. <laughs> like it, it would fluctuate between how loud it was and how quiet it was, depending on how we were talking. And people don't want that drastic jump in sound. Yeah. They want small jumps, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Some people are hard of hearing, can't really hear very well. That you have sensitive ears, so like the quiets are fine. But then all of a sudden we yell and it's really loud. You want that set at a standard level, and I try my best. I'm sorry. Um, but then even like mics, like you can set it up in a quiet room and it'll capture all of the sound that's in there and it, you play it back and it just doesn't sound right. And it's because the mic captures the most pure portion of the sound and your ear captures sound differently. And it, the way your ear is structured will actually change how sound is to you. And that's kind of trippy. I'm just thinking about that right now. Is that basically saying that the microphone hears different than the human ear does which makes sense because you know as uh doing this podcast I, I, and i think i mentioned it before i hate the sound of my own voice having to listen to this yeah <laughs> but and that's a very common i think realization for a lot of people they don't like the sound of their own voice when they hear it through other ears you're used to hearing it through yours right mm-hmm. um so microphone could be the same sort of thing empty room that sound that you get from just standing in stillness and nothing from the microphone is going to be different than if it's just you standing there. Yeah, and part of that is because whenever you're standing there, your brain processes things to a point where if there's non-essential sound going on or repeating sounds, like in this room, there's a bunch of bouncing sound at all times. Your ear tunes that out because it's non-essential information. You don't need it. It doesn't process it. It just gets rid of it. Mm -hmm. And so... Part of what a microphone does is it captures everything and it sends it straight to the computer as it is. And so there are actually effects in my editing software where I can take out some of that room noise and touch up a little bit here and there and make it sound a little bit more like it's coming straight from your ear because whenever you hear it in a recording, it's very obvious because the microphone's ear is not tuning it out. And then whenever you're listening to a podcast, you can't tune it out because it's coming from a specific source. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that like as you get into more mixing and design, like you have to be cautious of that. Like you can't sit there and just be like, oh, yeah, like I have the sound here. It's fine because if it's windy, you catch every single breath of wind. Um, That's why whenever we record the podcast, I have to like turn off the fans. It gets a little hot. (laughs) It it's because that fan makes so much sound that if I capture it in the mic, I won't be able to hear us talking right. and I can't get rid of it. <laughs> um, and so it's the small things like that, that the microphones catch everything and you don't want everything. Right. You have to make sure you edit out your sounds that you don't want. You have to make sure you boost some sounds because some sounds like lower sounds, whenever we're talking, our ear automatically kind of tunes that up and adjusts that a little bit higher and it gets rid of some of that more shrill sounds in our voice. Mm. The microphone doesn't do that. It can't. And so as you look at more sound design and sound editing, and if you're doing sound design and sound editing, like it's things that you have to pay attention for. But there are some times where a microphone can't hear you enunciate, depending on the type of microphone you have. And so if you're not enunciating, you have to bring up your higher sounds and drop a little bit of your lower sounds. So that way people can understand you clearly. Mm. And it's, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that everybody just assumes, oh, you point a mic at it, it picks it up, I hear it from straight from the mic, and you don't, because microphones pick up sound perfectly and we don't. 
And so you have to process that out and edit sound so that way it comes out imperfectly. It sounds like an, it sounds like an oxymoron that you have to edit the sound to not be perfect, but you do. <laughs> yeah, that's it's interesting, and I'd like to get more involved with, uh, especially since I'm somehow de facto the, the host of this podcast, <laughs> I want to be more involved in trying to make sure our audio is, you know, getting um, a little bit better, getting a little bit to the point of just feeling like we're just talking right next to each other, talking right next to our audience, um, because there's obviously a, a difference between um, having that sense of closeness and having the distortion of outside noise. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see, is there anything else uh, you want to talk about? I know this is a very general uh, topic about sound and film, and we're gonna... We're definitely going to be going into some other things. Just listening to you talk about how a microphone works, I want to do a whole episode on that now. Just be like, I want to technically know, like, what does the microphone do? Because <laughs> yeah. it sounds like such an obvious question, but I realize there's a lot more to it than you realize. Yeah, and they're like, so that's one that I will need a video <laughs> to accompany because there are different types of mics too, and different types of mics have different pickup patterns right. and the way they capture the sound. And it... There is an amazing world of technicalities out there, and I am by no means an expert. Um, I just started doing this for fun, and I've kind of learned on my own the best I can. Um, but that's definitely an episode, like, if we do that, we will need videos to accompany, so that way I can help show um, yeah. some of this, because there is a lot more to it than just, oh yeah, this microphone, I set it here, and it captures sound. Because I have two microphones that are very similar, that are very different, and I've got a microphone that is excellent for audio and picking up voices, but it's a mic designed to be like a vocal mic or a singing mic or something that you talk into directly. And so like we can't use that for the podcast, even though it's probably the clearest mic I have. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just because like I can't set up here with a mic here and then pass it over to you and then pass it back. <laughs> just be fighting over the microphone yeah. the whole time. So this, the mic setup I currently have, it picks up everything and that kind of helps um and i'm hoping to eventually get to a point where i've got like three or four microphones that i can just clip on so that way it's a little bit easier to maintain some of that but mm -hmm. until we get to that point this is what we're using <laughs> <laughs> well i think we'll wrap it up then uh, if anybody has any questions about uh sound or, or is there any particular area they want to hear more about if they're more interested in the soundtracks and scores and talking about the movies that we you know we love the scores to listen um or if they're more interested in the sound design aspect um you know let us know we're on facebook we're on twitter um if you want to get in contact with us um check us out we got a gmail as well we appreciate your support and definitely want to hear from you um so thanks to BTB Films and our crew for helping out the podcast whenever they can. Uh, thanks to my guest, Dylan. Thank you for listening. Extra thanks to those who like, subscribe, and leave a nice review wherever you find us. It means a lot. Um, thanks for listening. We'll save a spot for you till next time. Goodbye. Microphones. I could talk for <laughs> hours. <laughs> You're still here. Thanks for hanging out with us while we talk movies. But now we want to hear from you. If you have a comment, send it our way. Did we forget something or make a mistake? Call us out on it. Do you have a movie you really want us to review? Let us know what it is, and we'll get to it. 
Whether you have a question about filmmaking process or just want to know who we think would win in a fight between all the film characters of Martin Scorsese versus the characters of Quentin Tarantino, you ask us whatever you like, and we'll do our best to figure it out. So once more, we are Sit Down For Real, R-E-E-L, on Twitter, Gmail, Facebook. Your support means everything to us. Thanks for listening.